vives en Virginia. Si recibiste la vacuna contra COVID-19, sigues estando protegido. Este otoño estaremos poniendo dosis de refuerzo para ayudar a prolongar esa protección. No olvides que el Departamento de Salud de Virginia sigue siendo tu mejor fuente de información sobre el COVID-19. Para saber si puedes recibir la dosis de refuerzo y programar una cita, visita vaccinate.virginia.gov o llama al 877-829-4682. Este es un mensaje del Departamento de Salud de Virginia. I'd like to uh, discuss a little bit the Gemara that says that the Jews were forced to accept the Torah at Har Sinai because uh, Hashem took the mountain and uh, put it on top of them and threatened them to accept it and uh, some of the issues that the commentators raised with this in honor of Shavuos, which is in a few days. Uh, the Gemara in Shabbos, Tafpeches Samad Aleph, tells us a famous drosha that by Yatsvu betachtis hahar, when the Jews come to Har Sinai, the Torah literally says that they were under the mountain. So the Gemara quotes from Rav Avdimi Bar Chama Bar Chasa that this teaches us Shekafa Hakadosh Baruch Hu Alehem Esahar Kegigis the Amar Lahem Imatem Mekablim Hatorah Mutav Vimlav Sham Tehik Vuraschem. This teaches us that Hakadosh Baruch Hu took Har Sinai and held it on top of the Jews like a roof. And he said to them, if you accept the Torah, then you will be okay. And if not, I will bury you under this mountain. So they were literally under the mountain, and that's why the Torah describes them as under the mountain. They were not at the foot of the mountain, but they were under it. Now, the Gemara then comments that Rav Achabar Yaakov pointed out, Mikan Modar Rabba Le'oraisa, that from here we have a, a an excuse really, that the Jews do not need to keep the Torah. Because if God summons the Jews and says, uh, you didn't keep the Torah, we could just say we were forced to accept the Torah. And if someone is forced to do something, so generally that carries less weight in halacha. So uh, we have a very good excuse for why the Jews don't need to keep the Torah. And the Gemara famously concludes this discussion that Rava said that uh, the Jews accepted the Torah more fully in the days of Purim. Uh, it says, Kimu v'kiblu hayehudim, the Miguel Esther reports that the Jews accepted it. So Rav understands this to mean, it's a drusha, that the Jews re-accepted the Torah now more fully out of the love of HaKadosh Baruch Hu for what he had done for them. So there was no forcing at that point, and that's when there was a full acceptance of the Torah. Now, there's a lot of issues with this Gemara. Uh, one that I'd like to deal with right now is if the Jews did not accept the Torah fully until the days of Purim. So that means that essentially all of the days of the Tanakh from the time of the book of Shemos uh, all the way up until Megillas Esther, almost at the very end of Tanakh, all of that time the Jews had not accepted the Torah. Now, the problem with this is that throughout the Tanakh, we find many punishments that the Jewish people are given for not following the rules of the Torah. Uh, most extremely, of course, is the destruction of the first Beis Amikdash in the times of Yirmiyahu, which occurred right before the story of Esther and Purim. So at the time of the destruction of the first Beis Amikdash, according to this Gemara, the Jews had not fully accepted the Torah, and they still had the excuse that they were forced to accept the Torah at Har Sinai. So uh, many Mepharsh and many commentators deal with the problem that if the Jews had not accepted the Torah throughout the entire time of the Tanakh, throughout the entire time of the first Beis HaMikdash, how could Hashem have punished them and ultimately destroyed the Beis HaMikdash for not following the Torah? Why didn't they just say, look, we were forced to accept it, 
and uh, therefore we don't deserve to be punished for this. So uh, one of the earliest Mepharshim to deal with this question is the Rashba. He's quoted in the Eitz Yosef and the Hakosev commentaries, uh, both of which appear in the Ein Yaakov on the Agadita. And uh, the Rashba says something interesting. The Rashba says that this Gemara does not mean literally that there was no accountability for the Jewish people because he says there was another source of accountability. The fact that the Jewish people lived in Israel, so that provided them a certain responsibility to keep the Torah. In other words, Hashem allowed the Jewish people to inhabit the land of Israel, to capture it and to be safe in it so long as they kept the Torah. That was the deal that was made. Once they stopped keeping the Torah, so then they were not able to continue living there and that's why they were removed. That's why they were exiled from Israel as punishment for their sins. So even though the Gemara said on a literal level that there was no accountability of the Jewish people because of the giving of the Torah since it was coerced, but that's only in reference to the giving of the Torah at Har Sinai. There was an excuse for that. But with regard to sinning while living in Eretz Yisrael, so for that there was no excuse. The Jewish people had a choice either to keep the Torah and continue to live in Eretz Yisrael, or if they did not, then they would be exiled. So that's the Rashba's explanation for the fact that the Jews were exiled even before the story of Purim when they fully accepted the Torah. Now, there are a few problems with this Rashba. Uh, the Eitz Yosef quotes from a Sefer Ie Hayam, and the Beis Meir also has a commentary on on some parts of Shas and on this page in Shabbos. Uh, they both ask that the Rashba only accounts for the fact that the Jews were exiled. They were sent into Galus as punishment for their sins. So this explains why they were no longer worthy of living in Eretz Yisrael. But there were all sorts of other punishments that the Jews got. When you read through the Nevi'im, even at the time of the exile, there were other punishments of hunger and sword and uh, being killed. There were all sorts of terrible things that went on that had nothing to do with living in Israel. So why should the Jews have been punished in other ways and not just having been removed from Eretz Yisrael, according to this Rashba's explanation. So there is another way in the Achronim to read this. Uh, the Chida has this in a book called Dvarim Achadim in Drush 28. And uh, the Precious Drachim has the fullest discussion of this from the author of the Mishnah Lamelech in uh, his Drush number 22. Uh, they read this Rashba a little differently. And when you look in the Rashba uh, carefully, you see that he's really saying this. The way they explain the Rashba, he's not saying that so long as the Jews lived in Eretz Yisrael, there was another reason they had to keep the Torah, separate from the fact that they accepted it at Har Sinai. But he's saying something more profound. He's saying that so long as the Jews lived in Eretz Yisrael, they were not saying that they had been coerced. All those years that they were living in Eretz Yisrael, they were willing to accept the Torah even though there had been coercion because the mountain was held over them. But all of the years that they lived in Eretz Yisrael, they accepted the Torah willingly because they were able to live in Israel. Only once they were exiled, then they said for a very short time, we were coerced, so we shouldn't have to keep the Torah. And shortly thereafter, the story of Purim happened and they reaccepted the Torah. So uh, the Rashba is telling us uh, really a new way to understand this whole Gemara. When the Gemara says that the Jews have an excuse that they do not need to accept the Torah because they were forced, that was really for a very short period in Jewish history from the time of the destruction of the first Beis Hamikdash 
until a couple of decades later when the story of Purim happened. That was the entire time when the Jews had not accepted the Torah. But the whole time they were living in Eretz Yisrael during the first Beis HaMikdash, they willingly accepted the Torah as part of living in Eretz Yisrael. So it wasn't just that the only thing that could happen to them was they would be exiled and that was it. You know, it was a tit for tat. They live in Israel so long as they keep the Torah. But uh, there was a more full relationship. So long as the Jews lived in Eretz Yisrael, they willingly accepted the Torah upon themselves in all of its halachas, and if they violated them, then they deserved other punishments too, which is why there were other punishments other than exile uh, at the destruction of the first Beis HaMikdash. And once they were exiled, then it's true. They could say that they were coerced at Har Sinai and they no longer accept the Torah. But shortly thereafter, the story of Purim happened and then they reaccepted it. And that's been why we have to follow the Torah for the rest of Jewish history. So this Rashba is really a, a new way to view this whole thing. And it very much limits the extent of this argument that we were coerced to accept the Torah. And uh, therefore, we don't need to follow it. Now, the uh, precious Drachim uh, speaks at length about this Rashba and this whole topic, and he explains a number of places in Tanakh and uh, Drashos Chazal based on this. Uh, one of the interesting ones that really fit is that in Eicha, it says, Malka that the king and the officers are exiled amongst the nations, Ein Torah, there is no more Torah. So what exactly does this mean? This seems like a very strange claim for Yirmiyahu to make in Eicha. He's mourning the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, and he says that there is no more Torah. So generally we understand that it means once the Jews are now going into Galus, uh, the level of learning Torah, following Torah, is going to be diminished very greatly. They no longer have their own nation. They no longer have their own Beis HaMikdash. So uh, there's going to be a lot of difficulty in terms of keeping and studying the Torah. But this says the Prashas Drachim that according to the Rashba, we could really read this Pasuk very literally. So long as the Jewish people lived in Eretz Yisrael, they had to follow the Torah in its entirety because they willingly accepted the Torah as part of living in Eretz Yisrael. But now that they're exiled, says Yirmiyahu, Ain Torah, that's it. The authority of the Torah is no longer in effect because they're not living in Eretz Yisrael and the acceptance at Har Sinai was coerced. So Ain Torah would be literally that there is no authority to the Torah. Uh, and of course, this was resolved a few years later at the story of Purim when the Jews re-accepted the Torah. So this is all according to the Rashba. Now the precious Drachim continues and he points out that the Maharik seems to disagree with this Rashba. And uh, that is based on the Maharik's analysis of the Tosvos. Tosvos on that Gemara asks a simple question, which is the Gemara saying that the first free acceptance of the Torah was in the times of Mordechai and Esther during the story of Purim. But if you look at the beginning of Devarim, so when the Jews come to Arvos Moab, outside of Moab, Moshe teaches them the Torah there, and they re-accept the Torah according to Chazal at that point. So that was a free acceptance of the Torah a couple of years after they were at Har Sinai. So why does the Gemara say we have to look to the Purim story when even in Moshe's lifetime there was this acceptance of the Torah? So Tosos quotes Rabbeinu Tam that he said because they were still afraid of HaKadosh Baruch Hu at that point, so it wasn't actually free, there was still an element of coercion. 
So the Maharikh is trying to understand what this means because, of course, there was no coercion at that point. So how could we consider this an act of coercion? And he says that maybe when you're dealing with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's a little different than when you're dealing with a, a human who coerces someone because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is infinite, he never changes his mind, and therefore they could still be afraid of him all those years later. So that would explain that Tosvos uh, quoting Rabbeinu Tam. The Mordechai quotes this same question, and he quotes a little bit of a different answer from the Re, that the Jewish people were afraid that if they didn't accept the Torah, they would not go into Eretz Yisrael. So that was the element of coercion because the Jews were afraid that by not accepting the Torah outside of Moab, they're about to go into Eretz Yisrael, they're waiting to go in, that they would lose the opportunity to go in. And of course, they'd already suffered so much by not being able to go in all these years that they were desperate to go in, and so they accepted the Torah. Now, the Maharik says that this version, even though it makes more sense of the notion of coercion, because there was a continuing coercion here, that they would not be able to go into Eretz Yisrael. It was different than having a mountain hanging over their head, but it still is a form of coercion. But the Maharik asks that coercion is generally that someone is going to take something away from you, as opposed to they're not going to give you something good. Right? Imagine uh, someone would say, I was coerced to lie in court because someone said they'd pay me money. Right, So that's not coercion. Coercion would be if someone said they would steal your money that you already have if you don't lie, so then you could say you were coerced. But if someone promises to pay you and they won't pay you unless you lie, so that's not called coercion. So here too, how could not going into Eretz Yisrael be considered a form of coercion when uh, they were going to, they stood to gain but uh, they weren't going to lose something that was already theirs. So the Maharik answers that, in fact, Eretz Yisrael was already the Jewish people's. Losing Eretz Yisrael would have been losing something that was already theirs, not just missing out on a potential gain, because Eretz Yisrael was already promised to their ancestors, to Avraham, uh, to all of his children. So since the Jewish people felt that they already owned Eretz Yisrael and it belonged to them, and by not accepting accepting the Torah, they were going to be losing Eretz Yisrael. So that was considered a form of coercion. And that's why the Gemara says that we had to wait until Purim for the first free acceptance of the Torah. Now, it says the Prashas Drachim that the Maharik seems to disagree with the Rashba, because the Rashba says that living in Eretz Yisrael was a form of the Jewish people accepting the Torah freely all those years. Otherwise, they had no right to live in Eretz Yisrael. But the Maharik seems to disagree with that and maintains that living in Eretz Yisrael was their right. They owned it already even before they accepted the Torah. Just by being the descendants of Avraham, they already owned Eretz Yisrael, and not getting Eretz Yisrael would have been a loss. So according to the Maharik, all those years when they lived in Eretz Yisrael during the first Beis HaMikdash, they had no responsibility to follow the Torah in order to live in Eretz Yisrael. That was something that they deserved by birthright. And this says the precious Drachim that according to the Maharik, we're still back to the original question. Why did the Jews have to keep the Torah during the whole time of the first Beis HaMikdash? And why were they punished when they did not keep it if there was no, they were forced at Har Sinai and the, the land of Israel was already theirs, they already owned it, and so they would not have had to keep the Torah in order to live there. 
So the Prashas Drachim answers that according to the Maharik, we could say the following, that even though the Jewish people might have had an excuse for not keeping the Torah all of the years of the first Beis HaMikdash, but that only applied to the 613, the extra mitzvos that were given to the Jewish people. But the Sheva Mitzvos B'nai Noach, the seven that everyone had to follow, that certainly the Jewish people were included in. There was no reason why they would have been lenient and not had to follow those rules when the whole world had to follow them. Right? Even if the Jews didn't accept the Torah at Har Sinai, they were still bound to keep the Sheva Mitzvos B'nai Noach. And accordingly, says the Maharik, when they didn't follow those rules, when they did Avodah Zarah, which is a violation of the Sheva Mitzvos B'nai Noach, when they didn't follow other mitzvos of the Sheva Mitzvos B'nai Noach, that's why they were punished. So again, this is an interesting idea that uh, the Jewish people were punished in the first Beis HaMikdash for not following those seven universal rules that everyone has to follow, uh, even though they had an excuse why they didn't keep the rest of the Torah. Um, it's, you know, it leaves hanging the question, why did the Jewish people have to keep the halacha, the special rules for the Jewish people, uh, all of those years? Uh, but he, but at least to make sense of why they were punished in the first base on Mikdash with the destruction uh, for not keeping the rules of the Torah. And uh, the Marsha in uh, this edition that appears in the Ein Yaakov, so he says something similar. Uh, this is, he gets there a different way. Tosvos asks that there was another acceptance of the Torah in the times of Yehoshua. So uh, again, why does the Gemara say that the first free acceptance of the Torah was uh, during the times of Esther when Yehoshua had the Jewish people re-accept the Torah right after they went into Eretz Yisrael. So Tosos answers that that re-acceptance was specifically on the prohibition of Avodah Zarah. So in the times of Yehoshua, the Jews accepted that they would not do Avodah Zarah, but they had not accepted the whole Torah. So says the Marsha, according to this Tosvos, again, we could answer the question very similar to the Precious Drachim, that since the Jewish people had accepted freely not to do Avodah Zarah, therefore, in the first Beis HaMikdash, when they did do Avodah Zarah, they were punished for that sin, even though they had an excuse on the rest of the Torah that they had been forced to accept it, but the sin of Avodah Zarah, they were prohibited to do, and uh, that was a free acceptance later on in Yehoshua's times, and when they did that sin, so therefore the first Beis HaMikdash was destroyed. Again, this does not account for uh, why they needed to keep the rest of the Torah in the first Beis HaMikdash, uh, and it doesn't explain, you know, some of the uh, Nevi'im talk about that the, the sin of adultery played a part in the destruction and other sins, so it doesn't fully explain that. But uh, it does make sense of why the first Beis HaMikdash was destroyed and the excuse that the Jews were forced at Har Sinai uh, didn't save them. Now, there are two other answers that are worth mentioning. The uh, Eitz Yosef and a number of other Mepharshim, uh, they point out that according to the Medrash Tanhuma, this whole question would be resolved. The Medrash Tanhuma in Parshas Noach severely limits this whole notion that the Jews were forced to accept the Torah. And that is because of a basic question. When the Jews come to Har Sinai, they say, Nasev Nishma, we will accept the Torah. So the Jews seem to have willingly accepted the Torah. So why does the Gemara say that they were coerced? What was the point of coercing them when anyways they had already accepted the Torah? So the Medrash Tanchuma gives one answer, there's many, uh, and it says that the, that the Jews only accepted willingly the Torah Shebech 
the written Torah, which is much smaller, easier to master, and easier to follow. So the Jews willingly accepted the Torah Shebechsav. But they were not willing to accept the Torah Shebal Peh. That was much more difficult. It required a lifetime of intense study and commitment. And they were hesitant to accept the Torah Shebal Peh. So therefore, Hashem had to coerce them to accept the Torah Shebal Peh. So according to this reading, the only excuse that the Jewish people had not to keep the Torah only was in reference to the Torah Shabal Peh, that they could say they were coerced. But the Torah Shabal they certainly accepted and they certainly had to follow. So according to this Medrash Tanchuma, the, this would resolve the question and that's why they were punished in the times of the first Beis HaMikdash for not following the halachas that were in the written Torah. Uh, there was no excuse ever for that. Now, some Achronim point out that Tosos seems to disagree with this Medrash Tanchuma because Tosos also asks that they already said Nasav and Nishma, so they had already accepted the Torah, and why did they need a mountain held over them? And uh, Tosos answers that the concern was they would rescind their acceptance of the Torah out of fear when they saw the fire and all of the miraculous events of Har Sinai. So uh, Tosos seems to indicate that there was no difference between the Torah Shabbat and the Torah Shabbat Peh, but the coercion was on everything. So according to Tosvos, we would need some of the other approaches that we suggested. And uh, finally, one last approach uh, that we'll mention here is comes from the Ritva. And uh, he writes that uh, there's, a, again, a major limitation to what the Gemara means here, that we didn't fully accept the Torah at Har Sinai. And he says that that's not actually true. The Gemara is just saying that if troublemakers come around, people who anyways don't accept the Torah, and they claim that there was no acceptance of the Torah, in other words, that's not actually true. We do not view the acceptance of the Torah at Har Sinai as uh, something which was illegitimate or was forced. Uh, the Jews did accept the Torah, and uh, they accepted it fully. And there were no questions about that, and therefore they certainly had to follow the Torah all of the time of the first Beis HaMikdash, all of the years of the Tanakh, and that's why they were punished for it. The uh, Gemara here in its discussion is only countering a potential argument from people who want to abandon the Torah. If they say that the Torah was not accepted fully, it was coerced, and therefore they have an excuse not to keep it, so the Gemara says, no, that is not true, because in the times of Purim it was re-accepted, and so there are absolutely no excuses. But uh, according to the truth, uh, the Jews did accept it at Harsinai, and that was fully binding forevermore. So uh, basically, we've uh, uh, surveyed four different approaches to explain this central question. If there was an excuse that the Jews did not fully accept the Torah at Harsinai, and therefore they were not obligated until the times of Purim, why do we find in the Tanakh that the Jews were punished for not keeping the Torah when uh, it was before the Purim story? So they should have invoked the excuse that they were forced to accept it. So we've seen four limitations. Uh, the Rashba's approach is that so long as the Jews were living in Israel, they did willingly accept the authority of the Torah, and therefore they had to obey it. It was only once they were exiled that this problem came up, and it was resolved in the Purim story. The uh, Prashas Drachim and the Maharsha and Ein Yaakov, they uh, distinguish between the either the Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noach, which were still binding on the Jewish people, even if they were forced at Har Sinai to accept the rest of the mitzvos, or uh, Avodah Zarah was certainly prohibited. So uh, when they violated Avodah Zarah or uh, adultery or uh, other mitzvos which they were commanded in, 
uh, some of the Shavah Mitzvahs B'nai Noach, so then they were punished for that. Uh, we've discussed the approach of the Medrash Tanchuma, the third answer, that limits this whole discussion only to the Torah Shebaal Peh. That was what was forced, but the Torah Shebaal Sav was accepted willingly at Har Sinai, so they were punished for that. And uh, finally, the Ritva, he limits this whole thing, and he believes this is just a potential argument that those who want to abandon the Torah might make, but in actuality, there is no truth to it, and the acceptance at Har Sinai was fully valid, and uh, it was done fully and freely of the Jewish people's own will.